Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Cowden coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, Christian attorney Jenna Ellis, who has worked with Summit Ministries, Colorado Christian University, and many other Christian organizations, pleads guilty for her role in attempting to overturn election results in Georgia in 2020. We'll have some details. Also, Korean churches are leaving the United Methodist Church, but not without difficulty. And a Texas seminary has big changes ahead. We'll share more later in the program. We begin today with news that the former president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, Adam Greenway, is threatening the school with a $5 million lawsuit. Adam Greenway resigned as president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth in September of last year. Uh, He's reportedly threatening to sue the Texas-based institution for $5 million, according to the Tennessee and the newspaper of Nashville. Greenway's attorney, Andrew Jones, sent a demand letter to the seminary last month claiming that Southwestern Baptist damaged Greenway's reputation and his ability to seek further employment. Greenway left his post after three and a half years. In June 2023, the seminary's board reported that the former president had engaged in a pattern of spending that did not reflect proper stewardship of seminary resources. Its summary of findings listed expenditures for the president's residence that included $11,000 for an espresso machine and almost $60,000 for Christmas decorations. The demand letter from Jones, Greenway's attorney, said that reports of Greenway's spending were grossly inflated and false. It said that the seminary's board's revelations leave Greenway humiliated and they harmed his job prospects. Responding to Jones, Jones's letter, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary attorney Michael Anderson wrote on October 11 that the seminary has fully complied with its obligations under the settlement agreement and will continue to do so. He added, the fact that Dr. Greenway does not like the results of the financial review and the public disclosure of it, which he demanded, does not make the results of the financial review false or in any way defamatory. Our next story involves Jenna Ellis, a Christian attorney who has worked with a number of Christian ministries over the years. She's also a former member of Donald Trump's legal team, and she pleaded guilty uh, of aiding and abetting the conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election results in the state of Georgia. Ellis's tearful statement in a Georgia courtroom was in stark contrast to her stance as recently as August when she was indicted. At that time, she posted a mugshot of herself with a beaming smile alongside scripture references and the claim that she was facing persecution. But on Tuesday, she appeared humble and contrite. That's right, though she seemed to place some of the blame on others who led her astray. She said, as an attorney who is also a Christian, I take my responsibilities as a lawyer seriously, and I endeavor to be a person of sound moral and ethical character. 
at all of my dealings. I failed to do my due diligence, she said, referring to information provided to her by other lawyers with many more years of experience. Now, Ellis's plea deal means that she will avoid prison time, but she was sentenced to five years of probation and must pay $5,000 in restitution and complete 100 hours of community service. She also has to write an apology letter to the people of Georgia, stop posting about the case on social media, and, and this is an important part, testify against Trump and other co-defendants. Ellis had little legal experience before landing prestigious positions with conservative Christian groups. James Dobson, for example, named Jenna Ellis the director of the Public Policy Center at the Dobson Family Institute, which is a nonprofit he founded after leaving Focus on the Family. Dobson also introduced her to Fox News, where she was discovered there by Trump. Ellis taught at Colorado Christian University, which had incorrectly called her Dr. Ellis on its website before correcting that title. And she was a fellow in constitutional law and public policy at Colorado Christian University's Centennial Institute. She spoke at the Centennial Institute's Western Conservative Summit in Denver this summer, just months after she admitted lying as part of her censure by a Colorado judge. She has also had relationships with Liberty University's Standing for Freedom Center, which named Ellis as a senior fellow. Ellis was one of two attorneys successfully defending John MacArthur's Grace Community Church against COVID vaccine mandates on behalf of the Thomas More Society. She appeared in The Essential Church, which is a movie about that case, and she also worked with Thomas More's Amistad Project, which promoted election integrity. Cedarville University in Ohio offers a Jenna Ellis Award, an endowment scholarship for junior and senior students planning to attend law school. And she's also an alumnus and former faculty member at Summit Ministries, the Christian Worldview Program for Youth in Manitou Springs, Colorado. She hosts the Jenna Ellis Show on the Salem Podcast Network, which is one of the largest Christian networks in the country. And uh, she focuses on the rule of law and the importance of election integrity for Jenna Ellis in the mornings for the American Family Radio Association's American Family Radio Network. Her AFR bio says that she is also an Allied attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom. In her tearful guilty plea, uh, Jenna Ellis said this, if I knew then what I know now, I would have declined to represent Donald Trump in those post-election challenges. I look back on this whole experience with deep remorse. Warren, let's look at one more story before we take a break. It's the story of Robert Stein, a former president of the Southern Baptist Convention's Minnesota-Wisconsin Baptist Convention. He has been charged with two counts of first-degree child sexual assault for multiple assaults on a girl under the age of 13. Until recently, Stein, who is 61 years of age, was the pastor of Midvale Baptist Church in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, I should note that Stein has pleaded not guilty to these charges. Well, Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, a fundraising event in Lancaster County that served as an alternative for Christian ministries, the inaugural event raised more than $700,000. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll have that story and much more after this short break. 
Hey everybody, Warren Smith here interrupting the podcast for a brief minute to let you know that uh, we have a a new gift to share with uh, anyone who makes a donation to Ministry Watch during the month of October. It's called 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry. Now this is a document that we actually produced in conjunction with Calvin Edwards and Company and the Strategic Resource Group uh, probably about a year ago, but we now have beautiful printed copies of this booklet, uh, and uh, I'd love to send you a copy. Just make a donation to Ministry Watch anytime during the month of October, and uh, you will get a free copy of that booklet as our thank you gift. I use that booklet every day here at Ministry Watch to ask some of the important and occasionally tough questions that we have to ask of ministries, and I strongly recommend that if you are a regular donor to Christian Ministries, that this is a booklet that you need to have, and uh, it's designed to be like a checklist that you can go through. And some of the questions may not be as important to you as others, but I think all of them are worth considering. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page, and uh, you'll have our thanks. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. The inaugural Faithful Give event was held October 15 through 17 in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and it raised more than $700,000 for 54 ministries that participated in this three-day giving event. The fundraising event was designed to connect biblically faithful donors and organizations so that they can joyfully partner together in redemptive causes. Now, Lancaster County is home to a lot of Christian ministries. Uh, It's kind of in that Mennonite Amish country up there, very conservative part of the world. Last year, some of them pulled out of the Lancaster County Community Foundation's Extra Give event after it announced that it nonprofit groups that participated must post non-discrimination policies in order to participate. It also published an anti-hate policy containing a broad definition of what it called hateful activities, including misinformation targeting an individual or group based on their sexual orientation. In addition to fundraising, Faithful Give included an opening prayer breakfast where leaders gathered to pray for the event and all of the ministries involved, and a closing picnic where over 200 people gathered to celebrate its success. Harvest USA is a ministry to those struggling with sexual sin, especially homosexuality. It's based there in Lancaster, and it raised the most funds through this event. Uh, It raised more than $100,000. Our next story is a new take on the meltdown in the United Methodist Church. That's right. We've been reporting on the schism which has been taking place in the United Methodist Church for the last uh, couple of years, really. But uh, as you said, Natasha, there's kind of a new take uh, in today's story, and that's because it relates to Korean Methodist churches. Majority Korean Methodist churches, which tend to be more conservative and evangelical than other congregations within the United Methodist Church, are leaving the United Methodist Church in greater than uh, normal numbers, and by that, at greater percentages than churches as a whole. 
but some of them are finding it difficult to disaffiliate from the UMC because they fear losing their land and, in some cases, their leaders. More than 100 of the 244 Korean-language United Methodist Church congregations have started the disaffiliation process. And of those 100 churches, 40 have already successfully left the United Methodist Church and joined the more conservative global Methodist Church, while the rest are either waiting for their disaffiliation to be approved by the annual conferences or are still moving through the process in some ways. Now, the United Methodist Church did not expect such a large number of Korean churches to leave the denomination. According to Paul Chang, who is the executive director of the Korean Ministry plan. It expected only about 40 churches and 60 pastors to disaffiliate from the UMC. Church property and assets within the United Methodist Church are held by the denomination, so it can be expensive for a church to disaffiliate. Some churches, in fact, have changed course from disaffiliation after realizing that they could not afford to pay for their property, um, the amount that was required by the annual conference as part of the terms to leave. Others have said that they faced losing their pastors if they stayed and the pastor himself decided to leave. Or let's look at one more story before we take another break, and it's a bizarre one. It is. Last week, a Texas jury ordered a pastor to pay $2.45 million to a woman that he reportedly met online and infected with a sexually transmitted disease. In Houston, after a three-day trial and six hours of deliberation, a Harris County jury unanimously found Ralph Douglas West II liable for knowingly infecting a woman with herpes in 2018 and then lying about it afterwards. West is the assistant pastor at the Church Without Walls, a prominent megachurch in Houston, and the campus pastor of its Eldridge location. West is also the son of the Church Without Walls founding pastor, Ralph Douglas West Sr., Fox 26, the Fox affiliate in Houston, reported that the jury found West guilty of battery, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and fraudulent concealment due to the woman's permanent STD infection. The jury's verdict included $1.45 million in compensatory damages, plus a million dollars in exemplary and punitive damages. Earlier this year, the Church Without Walls celebrated 20 years of West preaching at the church, and earlier this month, West appeared in a promotional video for the Church Without Walls Men's Fellowship. Now, the megachurch no longer lists West as part of its staff on its website, and the staff directory has gone inactive. Ministry Watch attempted to contact the church for comment, but we didn't hear back. According to the woman's attorney, the total judgment of $2.45 million is likely the largest ever awarded in Texas for a case of this nature. Warren, we're going to take another break when we return our lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Thank you. 
Hey, everybody, Warren Smith once again. Just to remind you that during the month of October, we'll send you a copy of our booklet, 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry for a gift of any size to Ministry Watch. Uh, I, I do need to tell you, too, that October is often a slow month for us. So, I mean, it's kind of before the November, December year-end stuff. So if you've been thinking about giving a Ministry Watch, now would be a great time to do so. We would be very grateful, and we'll send you this really valuable resource, 75 Red Flags to Consider Before Donating to a Christian Ministry. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the Donate button at the top of the page. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, we like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? B.H. Carroll Theological Seminary, which is currently located in Irving, Texas, faces big changes in the coming year. This is a story that we mentioned at the top of the program, Natasha. The seminary plans to merge with East Texas Baptist University in Marshall, Texas, late in 2024, although the B.H. Carroll offices will not be moving into the East Texas Baptist University campus. In January, however, it will move its offices from Irving back to its original location in nearby Arlington. Both Arlington and Irving, of course, are suburbs of Dallas in a building owned by the First Baptist Church there. B.H. Carroll was started in 2004 as a way to make theological education more accessible, offering a variety of online theological degree programs and graduate certificates. It touts its affordability, which is about one-third the cost of most uh, seminaries, and its flexibility. It was named in honor of the first president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, B.H. Carroll. Who's in the ministry spotlight this week? This week, we're featuring Alpha USA. It began its ministry in the United States back in 1997 at its Chicago headquarters to create various forms of curricula to help individuals explore the relevance of the Christian faith in small group and church-type settings. Uh, The inspiration for the U.S. ministry originated uh, in England. Holy Trinity Brompton, an Anglican church in London, started uh, the ministry in 1977. Though Alpha has been around for nearly 50 years, it does continue to grow pretty rapidly. In fact, it's seen more than 30% growth in the last five years. And who did Christina highlight in Ministries Making a Difference? Child Evangelism Fellowship is stepping up its efforts to reach children impacted by the fighting and violence in Israel and the Gaza Strip. The ministry currently has four good news clubs in Israel dedicated to teaching truths about the Bible, and its children's booklet video series, Do You Wonder Why?, is available online in English, Arabic, and 17 other languages, and it's being translated into Hebrew. Now, Child Evangelism Fellowship uh, is uh, gets t- good scores from Ministry Watch, an A transparency grade, a donor confidence score of 82, which means you can give with confidence. I also want to mention Bethlehem Bible College, which is in Bethlehem in Israel. It's supporting Palestinian Christian uh, students, uh, some of whom are trapped in Gaza with their families. I should add, Natasha, I actually have been to Bethlehem Bible College and uh, went to Bethlehem a uh, 
probably about a dozen years ago and was able to see what they're doing there. It's a pretty remarkable ministry in a very difficult spot in the world. Another ministry that we're featuring this week is Door International. It's producing new resources for deaf Christians. Deaf um, population in the United States is one of the least evangelized groups in the country. So it's uh, interesting that Door International is focusing just on that uh, that group. By the way, Door International has a donor confidence score of 81, which also means that you can give with confidence. And finally, Favor International. It's a ministry that we haven't really talked about much here at Ministry Watch, uh, but it's rapidly growing, has a donor confidence score of 97, which is right at the top of our scale. It's reporting 75,000 salvations and more than 86,000 people involved in discipleship programs uh, this year. It's trained almost 29,000 students through its portable Bible school and impacted 5,000 women through its women empowerment programs. It operates mostly in East African war zones and helps sustain the, uh, the communities in which they operate. So a pretty remarkable ministry. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, I did want to mention a couple of things, Natasha. First, we posted the quarterly results of our ministry executive survey on the website this week. In fact, you and I, Natasha, are recording this on Thursday afternoon. We published it just a couple of hours ago as you and I are speaking. The findings suggest that ministry leaders remain optimistic about the year ahead, but they do cite fundraising as their biggest concern. That's a shift from quarters past when finding qualified employees was the top concern. There's a lot of new data in this quarter survey, and if you're a ministry leader, I strongly encourage you to check it out. Just go to the Ministry Watch website. It's right on the front page. And I also want to remind our listeners that Ministry Watch has published a booklet called 75 Red Flags to Consider before donating to a Christian ministry. We'll send you that booklet as our thank you for a gift of any size during the month of October. This is a great tool for Christian donors. We use it every day here at Ministry Watch to help us calculate our donor confidence scores. To get your own copy, just go to Ministry Watch website, hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Jessica Ederalde, Kim Roberts, Steve Raby, Stephanie Martin, Christina Darnell, and Rod Pitzer. A special thanks to church leaders for contributing materials for this week's podcast. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.